Well, again, good morning. I'm, I'm so glad everybody's here with us right now and with us online. Uh, brothers and sisters, he is risen. Amen. Well, um, again, my name is Ken, and one of my favorite subjects is the resurrection of Jesus. And now when I said he is risen, did you say indeed because you really believe it or, or, or because it's what you say on Easter morning? Amen. And you know what? It's, it's okay, friends, to admit that you have doubts. As long as you're willing to look more into it and, and discover what is really true. You know, in our text today, we're going we're gonna to see three of Jesus' closest friends and, and some of his, his leaders, his disciples, that had doubts about the resurrection. Each had to see more until they believed. Our message title today is See and Believe. You know, if the resurrection actually happened, it, it would be something totally new, something that's never happened for everyone that witnessed it. And, and for each of them to believe they had to first see something that got their attention. And then they had to investigate what they saw. And then they had to interpret the facts of what they saw. And finally, they had to understand the meaning of what they saw before they believed. You know, many people say that seeing is believing. But friends, it's much more complicated than that. You know, we must see enough and understand enough to um, under. Uh, overcome our doubts to actually believe. Actually, we don't have to physically see something to believe it. For example, how many people out there believe that there's wind? You do? You've never seen it. You've only seen the effects of wind. Do you believe I'm speaking to you right now? How about now? Do you believe I'm speaking to you right now? It could just be a recording, and I'm not speaking at all. Actually, you don't see the words. You hear them, right? It's, it, 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 it's something different. The only way you would know that I was speaking and it was not a recording is because I could be really good at lip sync, uh, is for me to turn off my... if you're deaf, then, then you could believe that I'm speaking when I'm not. You'd have no way to know because you don't have the ability yet to perceive sound. The, the problem wouldn't be with the facts or the reality of the situation. The problem is your own ability to perceive the situation correctly. And actually, that was my problem for many years with the resurrection. I had heard Jesus was resurrected when I was just a little boy growing up in the Catholic Church. I even served as, a, as a, a grade schooler six masses sometimes a week. But I did not perceive or understand that the resurrection was a fact or what, what that fact meant if it was really true. And that could have been because the church I was in didn't emphasize it. All I do is remember sitting in the Mass and seeing that dead guy on a cross. 
And I just wondered about him. It's all I really got from the services. It wasn't until I was 28 that I understood the good news that that guy died for me and, and that he rose again on the third day to prove it. And, and I wanted to believe because I, I was so broken because of the, the bad choices I had made in life. And, and I wanted him to save me. But I still had to go and study the evidence about him in his word and, and the evidence about him in history until I finally understood that this was actually true and I believed it. Friends, the more I looked at the evidence, the more I believe. Friends, if I had not seen enough in the evidence to believe it, I would not be here with you today because I truly understand the meaning of this. It would be useless for me to be here speaking to you today if I did not believe in his resurrection. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Paul's saying we're all wasting our time here today if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Friends, being a pastor is not a job for me. Church is not just some sentimental feel-good thing I do where I experience community with people I like. You know I, I, I love you all. But I have a lot of better things to do if this isn't true. I am here because I am totally convinced by the evidence that I have seen, and so I believe my hope for you today is that you will see something more than you've ever seen before that will cause you to diligently investigate the evidence so that you will understand what it means to your life and, and, and that you'll be compelled by what you see to believe. Now for us to believe something that happened in the past, something we did not see we have to rely on the testimony of eyewitnesses. The Gospels, the four Gospels, are the main eyewitness testimony to the fact of the resurrection. But skeptics would ask, are they reliable? And friends, I, I think Christians should be skeptical until they see the facts. And, and here's the truth. Scholars have found over 5,200 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament. They are dated within 100 to 200 years of the actual events. Now, those translations have all been compared by modern computers, and they have a 99.5% accuracy rating between all the copies. There's only a 0.5% error rate in them, and that's mostly grammatical or punctuation errors. The doctrines that they teach do not come into question, especially the resurrection. Skeptics would say that, that, well, this is just legendary stuff that changed over time. But these are early manuscripts. And legends, experts say, do not creep into literature until about 500 years after the events if, if they're not written down. New Testament scholars have fragments of ancient writings within 15 years of the actual events that speak of Jesus' resurrection. 
There are other ancient historians like Josephus and Tactus that write about Jesus' resurrection. Friends, the Gospels themselves are unique in their authenticity and their accuracy compared to any other ancient document that we have. If you are to say that they are unreliable, you would also have to say that what we know about ancient history is unreliable. There's a chart I think I put up there. I'm not going to go through all the evidence I have today, but that just shows the ancient documents for many different historical speakers. And you see that the New Testament has five or, or many more um, manuscript copies written down at an earlier time frame and a higher accuracy rating. We don't even know the accuracy rating of people like Plato and, and, and Aristotle or Caesar. So if you don't want to talk to me about this, I could talk to you all day about the literature. But I'm not going to do that right now. Today I want to focus on one of the four reliable eyewitness accounts so that we can see what we can see from it. And it starts this way. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Friends, there's so much to see in this verse to help us to believe. First, it was written by Jesus' best friend, the Apostle John, who, who really had no reason to lie to us about what he saw. Some skeptics would say that the disciples lied about the resurrection, that it was just a, a good story for them to advance their religion. But answer this. What was the disciples' motivation to lie? And what was their motivation to maintain this lie? History tells us that most of the disciples died horrible deaths for, for the sake of this truth of the gospel, that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. From the time the resurrection happened, they were on the run. They were beaten. They were shunned by their peers. They economically were suffering. There was no profit for telling this story. They were often just killed for it. You know, people will die for something they believe is true, but if they faked it, will people die for something that they know that is a lie? John is one of the 12 disciple eyewitnesses. He's the only one, really, of the 12 that saw Jesus die. According to the Gospels, all the others were afraid and they were hiding until after the resurrection. You will see in the, in the text that, that John is one of the first ones to actually see the facts of the resurrection and believe. He, he reports to us that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Now, John is just focused on Mary Magdalene and his account of the gospel. But from the other three gospels, we know that there were other women with her. We also know that the other women with her watched Jesus die. And, and, and thankfully, they saw where he was buried. Typically, criminals who were executed by the Roman government were thrown into unmarked mass graves. And, and if the women had not stayed around and watched where Jesus was buried, we would not have evidence for a resurrection. Jesus was buried, though, in a tomb by a wealthy man, Joseph of Amer Amerithea, a prominent member of the council and a follower of Jesus, 
And, and he went to Pilate and requested his body. And that triggered Pilate, who was surprised that Jesus had already died, to investigate and, and confirm his death. See, no one survived Roman crucifixion. You know, many skeptics will say Jesus lied. He was a liar. He faked his death, and he, he kind of swooned on the cross, pretended he was dead. But, but see, that's, that's not logical. Roman soldiers were expert killers and, and torturers. Um, they, they, had, they, had, they had tortured thousands of people this way. And, and, and each of them were accountable with their own lives if a prisoner escaped. There is only one historical report um, by the first century historian Josephus of someone surviving a crucifixion. And, and that survival only happened after they received excellent medical care because they were acquitted. And by the way, one survived out of three that received the care. The, the women, John, Pilate, and the soldiers that put a spear in his side all confirmed Jesus was dead. You have to have solid evidence of death to believe in the resurrection. Mary herself came that morning with the other women believing Jesus was dead. We know the women were in mourning and they were not thinking very clearly about what they were doing because one of the gospels tells us they did not consider how they're gonna roll the stone away from the tomb. You know, Archaeologists tell us that these stones could weigh from one to two tons, depending on their size. And, and Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. This was a, a family burial site. It was a large tomb. It, and it was a new tomb, according to Matthew. No one had used it yet. And, and, and he says that it was a, a big stone. Actually, he says it's a, a very big stone. And, and these stones were often round. And, and, and because their weight, they used gravity to roll the stone into position to seal the tomb. And it would have been impossible for a group of three or four women to, to, to open it. And if you still believe in the conspiracy theory that Jesus faked his death and resurrection, then you would have to believe that a man who was in critical condition from flogging and, and being on a cross for hours sat in a cold tomb for three days with no food and water and had the strength and also the leverage from the inside to roll the stone away. See, there was nothing to hold on to on the inside of the tomb. All the leverage was on the outside of the tomb. John gives Mary's testimony, being the, the first one to arrive early at the break of dawn. She saw that the stone had been rolled away. And so she runs, and, and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, which is John, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where he was laid or where they have laid him. See, Mary expected the stone to be in place, and when she did not see it, she became frightened by what she saw. So the women did not come early in the morning to, to witness Jesus' resurrection. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They, they came with spices to cover up the odor of decaying flesh. And now the male disciples, they were all at home either afraid or asleep. They did not come to the tomb expecting Jesus 
to be alive. Another lie that skeptics believe is that the disciples stole the body to fake a resurrection, which makes no sense. Because as I was saying, none of them believed in a resurrection. Yes, Jesus had told them that he would rise, but none of them believed it. The, the disciples' hopes were destroyed after he was captured and killed. Some might have believed that he would rise on the last day, someday, but none of them believed three days after his execution. And also, they were not trained army men that were able to take on the temple guard to steal the body because the, the tomb was guarded by the temple guard to keep controversies away. Mary here does not suspect the disciples of taking the body. She goes to them for help thinking someone else stole the body. Verse 3 says, So Peter went out with the other disciples, and they were going towards the tomb, and both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And, and stooping, he looked and he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Peter and John, the author of this gospel, are, are very concerned. So they, they run to the tomb. John, being the, the younger one and, and more in shape, runs and outruns Peter, and he gets there first, but he's uncomfortable going to the tomb. Why? Because he's a Jew, and dead bodies, according to their religion, were defiling. And, and remember, John was the one who actually saw Jesus die. And so John just stoops, and, and he looks in, and he sees Jesus' grave cloths just lying there. Now, the word here in the Greek for see is the word blepo, which means to see or, or to look upon. But, but it doesn't mean he knows what he's seeing. He's, he's seeing something strange. And what he sees makes him uncomfortable. So uncomfortable he won't go in. He, he does not believe yet that Jesus resurrected, and neither does Mary. Maybe there was foul play. Maybe the body is on the floor behind a rock, because Jesus would have laid, been laid out on a rock in, in the tomb. Resurrection is the furthest thing from their mind. Verse 6, it says, Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded in place by itself. Evidence of God, the man actually folded his, never mind. Um, <laughs> Peter, the old man, comes huffing and puffing just a little bit behind John. But maybe it was not his age or his shape that made him arrive after John. Maybe it could be his fear or regret that slowed him down. You know, he had denied his teacher, Jesus, and, and betrayed him. And, and if, if possible, if, if, he, if he did maybe believe that Jesus would rise, maybe he's not quite ready to see him again yet. But, but when Peter arrives, he's a little bit more bolder a personality than John. Peter went to investigate. Peter was always a look-then-leap kind of guy. And so he goes in, and he saw. And, and there's a different word in the Greek for the word saw here. It is, uh, I think it's where we get the word theorize, but it's theoreo, which means 
to mentally consider the facts of the situation, to investigate. The, 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 the word does not merely mean to see, but to perceive and investigate what the facts mean. What Peter sees is unusual. The 80 90 to 90 pounds of burial cloths and ointment are not tossed about in a big mess. That would have happened if the grave robbers unwrapped and took the body. The, the fact that they're there at all is suspicious. According to the custom, Jesus would have been wrapped kind of like a mummy in cloth with thick ointment around him. And if you wanted to steal a guarded body, it would be a lot easier to just take it wrapped because unwrapping it would be really messy. But here the clothes are just left behind, empty, but in order, not a mess, as if the body had just disappeared. He notes that even the cloth covering Jesus' face is neatly folded in place all by itself. And the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, also went in and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. Now John goes into the tomb and he saw the evidence. And now there's a, actually a third word here in the Greek for see. It is the word ido which means to understand. John understood what happened by what he sees, that Jesus has resurrected. And we know that because he shares next, he believed. John is Jesus' best friend, part of his inner circle. And yet he admits that he had doubts about Jesus rising. He finally believed what Jesus had said to him and the other disciples many times while he was alive, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised, Luke 9.22. John is admitting here that the disciples never understood or believed it when Jesus said it. Peter objected to it. Again, the disciples were not expecting a resurrection. They had no plans to fake it. And I see another proof that the gospel accounts are accurate because the gospel writers like John are willing to admit how dense they really were about Jesus' plans. If you're going to fake a narrative, typically you would make yourself out to be the hero, to be really wise. And you would avoid embarrassing details like we did not believe or understand what Jesus was saying. I, I believe both Peter and John must have both finally understood and believed based on the evidence they saw in the empty tomb. They both stooped to investigate and then the text says they simply went home. Now, if you thought your friend's body had been stolen, wouldn't you keep investigating? But they're satisfied with what they saw, and they went home. Not Mary. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. 
She's not satisfied. She, she still has doubts about Jesus' words about his resurrection. She's still weeping for her friend because she thinks her friend is dead. She saw him die. And maybe the guys don't even bother to tell Mary because she's a woman. And, and maybe they believe she can't possibly understand what happened because she's a woman. Uh, again, that's just more proof that the gospel narratives are accurate eyewitness accounts. All four gospels tell us that the first witnesses to the evidence of the resurrection are women. Now, in the first century, women were not um, considered very well. They were considered mere property. They could not even testify in a court of law. Rabbis in that time felt it was useless to teach a woman. Jesus was different. He was unusual. He taught women, and he had female disciples who followed him. But, but if the disciples were wanting to write, write a fake story in the first century, there was no way that they would say women are the first witnesses to the most important event of their story unless they simply wanted to be truthful and accurate about what happened. Now, we don't know very much about Mary Magdalene. There are all kinds of conspiracies over the centuries about her past, and you know her, her last name seems to be really exotic. And, but her last name just tells us there were a lot of girls named Mary in the first century. See, Mary was from the town of Magdala. Thus, to identify her, the Jesus and the disciples called her Mary Magdalene. That would identify her with all the other Marys running around. The only thing in Scripture that reveals anything else about her is that Mark 16.9 says that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. So, so, so far, we don't have really edifying description of this first witness of the resurrection. Mark is saying she has a lot of issues. The Lord had to cast seven demons out of her. But he's also saying Jesus had the power to deliver her from them. And after she became a disciple of Jesus, she, she became a supporter of his ministry. It's believed she was a, a Roman and, and was wealthy and that she helped to finance and support the disciples and, and, and to care for their needs. And Mary here now is just weeping over a dead friend. Maybe she's afraid that the, the demons will come back without Jesus. But the guys don't seem to care to explain anything to her. They, they just take off and, and they, they leave her alone crying. And Mary does not yet understand what she's seeing. Friends, we, we can see something and not understand its meaning. And, and today, if you're sad and without hope today, is it possible you don't understand the meaning of the resurrection? That, that Jesus paid for all your sins on the cross and when he died, he cried, it is finished, which was an accounting term, meaning that all the debt for your sin has been paid in full with his life. The, the resurrection is the receipt of that transaction that proves Jesus' identity as the son of God. It proves his authority as God to forgive your sin. It proves his power to give you everlasting life. John believed and he went home in peace. Friends, I hope you will too today. But Mary does not yet believe. 
That is why she's crying. Maybe she's dreading the demons coming back who tormented her. But at least she has enough faith to keep looking for answers, to keep looking in the tomb. And and if you're sad and without hope today, I, I pray you will have enough faith to keep looking into the empty tomb until you understand the joy that comes from believing in what the resurrection means to you. Verse 12, it says, She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord. And and I, I don't know where they've laid him. Even seeing two angels. She still doubts. She still keeps weeping. Most of the time in the Bible, when, when people see angels or, and they're in the presence of the angels, they're terrified. The angels have to tell them, do not fear. But here, Mary doesn't seem to care a lick about those angels. All she wants is Jesus. I wish more in the church were like her, not looking to supernatural signs, but desperately seeking Jesus. And, and when they ask why she is crying, she says, her friend is dead. And she, she still believes that someone has taken him away from her. She finds no comfort or use for angels. She wants Jesus back, dead or alive. Friends, if you want to know if the resurrection is true, be like Mary and pursue Jesus. Keep pursuing Jesus. Ask him to reveal the truth about himself to you, and he will. If you do, you will know for sure that the resurrection is real. I have never been disappointed looking at the evidence, looking deeper. I just believe more after 20 years of looking at it over and over again. There are people in this room who have met Jesus because he's still alive. Others have heard him audibly speak to them. Others have seen him do amazing things in their lives. He is alive and he will reveal himself to you if you seek after him. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Seeing is not believing. Friends, believing is how we see. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know it was Jesus. You know, because Mary's not satisfied, the angel, she, she's turning around looking for more answers. And, and she sees Jesus, but she does not recognize him. Why? Well, some believe it's because Jesus had the ability to spiritually cloak himself for a moment. There were others that day that saw him and didn't recognize him on, on the road to Emmaus. Maybe, though, it was that Jesus was so disfigured from being beaten and tortured and hit in the face that, that, that he was to the point of being unrecognizable. Now, some don't like that, that idea. And, and they might object to that because they say, well, my Jesus is beautiful. You know, my Jesus, he looks like that picture that was hanging on my grandma's wall. Oh, you mean, you mean the one that they used a woman model for and painted a little beard on him? After crucifixion and being in a tomb for three days, he probably did not have lightly wind-blown hair and, and rouge on his cheeks. 
Later that day, when the rest of the disciples saw him, Jesus let Thomas, the doubter, investigate to find out if it was really him by putting his finger in the the hole where the spear went in his side to pierce his heart and and feeling the holes where the nails had pierced them. See, Jesus' face could have been made unrecognizable from the guards hitting him in the face as they mocked him. And don't worry. You will find Jesus more beautiful than you can imagine when you see him in heaven. His scars will seem the most beautiful thing to you about him because they will remind you about how much he loved you. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Mary Asked a great question, or Jesus asked Mary a great question. Why are you weeping? Her own doubts and fear had made her sad. She did not really listen to her or believe Jesus' words and promises to her. Friends, do you? Jesus has already promised to fix every problem you have forever. Friends, do you doubt that right now? His resurrection means we can completely trust his word to us. God does not lie. And Jesus proved he was God by rising from the dead. Jesus said he was going to do it, and and he did it. No one else can make such a claim in all of history and back it up. Yes, people have been resuscitated from the dead. But so far, Jesus is the only one who came back to life, who was resurrected and is still alive today and forever. Friends, Buddha, Confucius, and Muhammad all have tombs. You can go and visit their tombs and their bones are still in them. Jesus borrowed a tomb because he only needed it for three days because he's still alive and he still needs his body. You know, in over 2,000 years of history, no one has produced a body. Many throughout history have had great incentive to produce his body. And yet it has not happened because he's using it. Friends, why do you weep if he is alive? If you believe in him, you will live forever too. Jesus said this about the resurrection to another sad lady, Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus proved it. He he raised her brother Lazarus. Jesus has the answer to mankind's greatest problem, death. The answer is simple. Friends, repent of your doubts and fear and believe the gospel that he lived, died, and was buried, and on the third day he rose. Jesus is the only one who ever backed up his claim to be God by his resurrection. Anybody can claim to be God or to speak for God, but Jesus offers credible proof of conquering death. Mary has doubts, but she refuses to give up on our search to find the answers about Jesus. 
Now, thinking Jesus is the gardener of the burial ground, she asks him, where's his body? Just tell me, I'll, I'll go pick him up. Can you imagine this poor woman trying to carry Jesus around? She's willing. She loves him that much. Jesus says to her, Mary. And she turned. And she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus used her name, and Mary understood who he was. She, she, she turned from her doubts, and she believed. Friends, it's, it's not wrong to have doubts. We all have doubts until we know that God is with us and that he knows us intimately by name. In verse 17, Jesus says to her, Do not cling to me, for I, I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, that's a very badly translated verse in some of the older translations, like the King James Version. It says, touch me not. And so many have speculated falsely that Jesus was kind of rebuking Mary, that he was too holy in his resurrected state to be touched by this sinful woman. But I imagine Jesus here smiling. Because you all know what happened. When Mary saw her friend again, she hung on as if she's never going to let him go again. The ESV translation translates the Greek more accurately. Uh, the, the word here means to fasten oneself onto, to, to cling or be clingy. When my daughter was young, we used to call her Saran. Because she was so clingy, you could never get her off of you. Mary is Saran. She's holding him close, never wanting to let him go from her again. And while Jesus loved her, he's also God, and he has things to do. He has to go to his Father so he can intercede for all of us. And he's, he's, but he tells her, he says, but go to my brothers and, and, and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and, and your God. D do you see the love that God has for us in that verse, even in all of our failings? If it were me, I don't know that I'd be calling these guys who betrayed me and abandoned me and, and doubted me and didn't listen to me. Brothers, Jesus is a much better man. I might not have such nice words for those guys. But Jesus, as God, he understands our weaknesses. He understands our doubts. The Bible says this in Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Friends, our, our doubts and our fears don't change God's love for us. God's not looking for us to be perfect. He is looking for us to believe that his love is perfect for us. So perfect he can even resurrect the dead. The fact that he loved and valued her was proof, proved in what Jesus told Mary to do next. Look what he tells her to do next. Go preach the gospel. Mary, a woman who's considered a nobody in her culture, somebody who is without basic legal rights because of her sex, she was someone whose former life was a mess because of all her demons. And yet, she was the first person Jesus chose to reveal the full reality of his resurrection to, according to the scriptures. She was a woman. A woman was the, the first person Jesus ever commissioned and trusted to preach the good news of his resurrection. 
You know, there are men in the 21st century that can't accept that. And, and they want women to be silent. And yet Jesus asked a woman disciple to go speak his gospel to other men. Jesus is very progressive in the first century. He had Mary speaking to a male audience in his little church about the most important thing in history, his resurrection. Maybe because he knew she would obey, unlike the men who all went home and hid in fear. Mary Magdalene, in verse 18, did go. She went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and, and that he said these things to her. Friends, women of this church, can you see that you're not second-class citizens in Jesus' church? He loves you, no matter how many demons are in your past. You are worthy to be his disciple you are worthy to be his ambassador in this world because he has made you into a new creation. Mary was faithful and available to speak the gospel. She saw Jesus alive. She was faithful to stay there and see him die. She was faithful to see where he was buried. And because she faithfully loved him, she kept searching enough until she saw him alive again now and forever. Jesus even revealed to Mary what the resurrection means in the very message she was to give the men. That now she and every one of us who believes is God's own child, protected and loved forever like his own son, Jesus. What did Jesus say? I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Through Mary's message, Jesus is saying that a, a close relationship with God is possible. Friends, believing in the resurrection makes us part of God's forever family. Today, I hope you have seen something different in this account that got your attention about the resurrection. Today, I hope you will be led to keep investigating more. Today, I hope you will understand why this happened. Because God loved you enough to give you eternal life. Today, I hope you will repent of your fears and your doubts and, and stop weeping. He, Jesus, has called you by name today. No matter what your past is, Understand, understand that and believe he has risen from the dead. And if you do, you will freely receive the gift of forgiveness of all your sins and, and the gift of everlasting life. Today, are you ready to obey him and go tell others? If you are, then you truly see and believe that he is the Lord of your life. And he has done it. He has risen 
indeed. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you don't ask us to check our minds at the door. That you provide evidence for us in history. You provide evidence in an empty tomb. You provide evidence in a risen Lord that proves he has conquered the grave and defeated the devil. Well, Father, today, I hope there are some in this room that will finally believe. Maybe they thought they believed, but that they will finally believe that a man actually walked out of the grave and that they will understand that that means everything to them. Without that happening, that they are, they are condemned forever because of their sin. But because it happened, they receive grace through their faith that takes away all their sin and gives them the gift of everlasting life. Father, may they turn, may they repent and believe today. May they turn from unbelief to belief by the evidence that they have heard. Father, I pray that you will do a mighty work in this place. Send your Holy Spirit to convict our hearts of our sin. Father, send your Holy Spirit to convict our hearts of how good God is to do this for us. And Father, convict our hearts that time is running short, that now is the time to turn and repent. Now is the time to believe. If there's still doubts, get your doubts answered. Oh, Father, do a work right now. Move in our hearts. Let us hear Jesus' call. And let us believe in his goodness and what he's done for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.